So we've been in this, uh, in this series called Appetite, and um, it kind of rooted its, uh, its roots came from what Rachel spoke about last week. I was just reading through Genesis, and I came across this passage, and I had heard it been preached before, and I thought, what, what was going on here? What was this whole Jacob and Esau thing? What was this birthright? I, I didn't understand it, and it just kind of spurred this whole series of appetite and, and what you're hungry for. And uh, the first week we talked about how Adam and Eve were in the garden, and we talked about what they ate and, and how it wasn't the chewing of the fruit or the swallowing of the fruit and, and them eating of the fruit. It was the fact that they had lost their desire. Their desire for that fruit actually went above their desire for God. And that's where the ultimate sin came from is that that's what they desired. And what you desire is at the, is at the bottom of your appetite. That's what appetite means. It's something you strongly desire. And so their appetite for that Fruit was higher than their appetite for God, and that was where the ultimate sin came from. And then last week, Rachel talked about Jacob and Esau and how Jacob was the older brother just by maybe a few minutes. They were twins. Uh, I mean, yeah, Esau was older, and Jacob was the younger. And, and how one day Esau, was, he was hungry from hunting and all that kind of stuff. Apparently, he didn't catch anything or kill anything. He, uh, he came in and was like, hey, Jacob, I need some of that stew. And uh, he was like, well, you can have this stew if I can have your birthright. You know, if, if I can, all of a sudden, now I'm going to be the firstborn, and, and you're going to be the secondborn, and I get everything that you were supposed to get as the firstborn. So I get the bigger part of the inheritance, and I, I get all the privileges that a firstborn child would get. And he was like, okay, yeah, what's this bowl of stew? I'm starving. I, I'm, I'm starving to death, you know? And so... You know, we think to ourselves, well, I would never trade my inheritance or my birthright for this for a bowl of soup. But really the reality is, is that we do that every day because we look at our birthright as children of God and what we're going to inherit later on in life. As in when we die, our eternal life, we look at our inheritance then, but we trade our inheritance for that for just a simple bowl of soup here. And your bowl of soup could just be acceptance into a small portion of friends at that very moment where it could just be, hey, I desire this drug, or I desire sex, or I desire whatever, and we put that bowl of soup above our inheritance or our, above our birth time. We trade it out, and we say, we would never do that, but we do it on a daily basis, and, it, and we, we kind, of put, it kind of put it into a perspective of how important our birthright as children of God and how, how our appetites can move us and drive us into different directions, and it's really, really powerful, our appetite is. And so I was thinking about appetite, and what, what does that draw out? And I immediately thought about fasting. And, we, and, and I was like, wow, fasting. And I did not want to talk about it because you want to know why? I think uh, you're not supposed to know, let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, but this is me revealing my weakness. I think I've only fasted three times in my entire almost eight years of be, being a Christian. And I've, all three times was somebody else challenging me to do it. See, I'm the kind of personality that needs a coach. Like, I need somebody to be right on my tail at all times, telling me, you need to run sprints, you need to get that rebound, you need to do this, you need to do that. I need somebody telling me, and then when I do it, I need that kind of affirmation like, yeah, good job, you know, whatever. I'm just kind of the coachable kind of personality. I don't all the time have this self-motivation rising up inside of me. And so uh, the first time I was in the youth, and they said, okay, this whole week we're going to do like this 
you know, this thing where we're going to have different challenges every day. And the very last day was fasting, and we're supposed to fast for 24 hours. Uh, and then that Sunday we come in, we have breakfast. It was like this big, you know, reward and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fast. I'm going to be a good Christian because I had not been a Christian for very long, and I was, like, really good at it, you know. And so then the next year it came up again, and, and I was at Lost Mex. I just remember it. I was at Lost Mex, and I was supposed to be fasting, you know. I'm a hair comb, like Scripture says, and I was, I had my, my face was all cleaned up. I wasn't mourning. I, you know, I'm just not hungry tonight, you guys. I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just going to sit here and not eat at this birthday party where 30 other people are eating, you know. I'm not fasting. <laughs> I'm just not hungry, you know. I just started just thinking to myself, like, okay, just tell you, you're not hungry. You're not hungry. Okay. And, like, it just got so hard. I was like, I really, I, I don't think y'all know this, guys, but chips and salsa, that's my thing. That is my thing. I love chips and salsa. Like, I'm a salsa connoisseur. I can go to Winn-Dixie, and they have, like, a whole aisle of salsa, like, on the border. They got, like, Tostitos. They got everything, and, like, I just love salsa. I love chips and salsa, and I'm just looking at that chips and salsa like, dang, that looks real good. It was, like, shining in the light, you know? It just looked better than ever, like, right then at that moment. My stomach, it's like, you good, bro? I thought you said you weren't hungry. It uh, just, you know, it's, you know, (laughs) be quiet. And so, that was my second time. My third time, well, this is how bad it is. The eight years, I've only fasted three times. That's crazy. So the third time was last Easter, so like a year ago, like from this past Sunday. That is wild that this all of a sudden happened like this. And Kenny texted me, and he said, hey, brother, you know, like this is not something that we always talk about, you know, but I just felt led, you know, the Holy Spirit is like pressed upon my heart that, Maybe we could fast together, and, you know, on Easter Sunday, we could pray for those who are coming in, and it was just like this intense, like, we need these people to hear the gospel, and they may be coming once, and they, you know, may stay forever. I don't know. It just, we need to just fast and pray together, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to pull through for my brother. I got you, bro. I got you. And then, so what happened was, the way my bank account set up, I was, I was going to my dad's house, right, and so... He had asked me, you know, hey, you want to come over for dinner? And I thought, dang, Dad, oh, man, this is not good. I was like, this is not good at all. He never asked me to come eat dinner, and I really like home-cooked meals, and I was just like, I need to call Kenny. Like, I don't know what to do here. And, you know, Kenny, I don't know if you'll ever call Kenny about any kind of life questions. He's not real good at just answering them, you know. Like, he just, he'll kind of give you the, well, what do you think? I'm like, dude, that's not what I'm, 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 t- I'm asking you, like, what should I do? Like, just give me, like, a yes or a no, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm, I'm pulling up from my dad's driveway, and I was like, how am I going to tell my dad, like, I'm fasting, but I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to eat. I, it's just one meal. I mean, what, what could it hurt? It's just one meal, you know? Like, I mean, I know it's supposed to be fast for, like, 24 hours, and eight, but Easter's tomorrow morning, so, like, why, why not just cut the, you know, eight hours short? You know, like, I can do that, can I? Is it fine? I was just like, after I ate, I was like, God, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to. Like, it was awful, guys. Like, I felt awful. Like, it, it was bad. Like, I'm, I deserved hell at that moment. I'm not even kidding. Like, that's not funny. That's not a joke. Like, I was just like, God, I'm so sorry. I ruined our covenant together. And, like, am I saved anymore? Like, did I lose my salvation over that? Like, I was really worried about it. So that's my three times fasting. And uh, just to let you know, that's my weakness. But here, here's the thing. I, I want to let you all know this because when we talk about fasting, you know, we're always like, hey, look, you know, there's a different kinds of fasting. I just want to give a general overview, like, why would you fast or how you fast, all that kind of stuff. I just want to give a general overview. But here's, what, here's the thing. We have to keep in mind that Christianity, the walk with Christ and following after him is not based on what? It's not based on rules. 
See, in Colossians 2, he talks about that, and y'all can look it up for yourself. In Colossians 2, it's talking about why do you keep following these rituals? You don't have to, you, you don't have to be condemned by not following these, like a new moon ceremony and, you know, this fast and washing your hands this way. Like, it's not about rules anymore. It's about your faith in him. And so this, these rules and these rituals that you're trying to follow, they, those don't really exist in, in, the, in the scheme of the gospel. It's not, if you're doing these things, it's for a different reason other than following a ritual. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at fasting in general, because apparently there's more than just one kind of fasting. There's, there's multiple kinds of fast that you can do, just like there's multiple kinds of prayer that you can do. Like you can, uh, there's some types of prayer that you can just listen. There's other prayers where you're just praying for your friend or, or for something to happen or other types of prayer where you're just depending on God, like, God, I just need you or just thanking him. I, I don't know, there's just different kinds, you know, that you can just talk about different things. And fasting is the same way. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 14, really small excerpt. In the, in the chapter, it says, One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? So apparently, Jesus and his disciples did not fast. Okay? So that's good to know. I'm right there with them. Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. All right, so we're going to stop there. So here's what happened. John the Baptist's disciples and some of the Pharisees were kind of around him. They're like, hey, bro, we fast, and y'all don't, but y'all said y'all know God and all that kind of stuff. Y'all do these cool things like heal people, but why don't y'all fast, though? Because if y'all were real about this, like if y'all was real and y'all, y'all followed the talk and you walked the walk, then you was going to do this. Like you could fast. And Jesus was like, no, but see, what happens is it does the bride fast while the groom is still with them. So here's what, here, he gives the picture of marriage. So we all know that marriage is the earthly picture of the gospel. That is a thing. And so in your marriage, you have the husband who is the head, which is like Christ. And then you have the wife who is like the church. And, and the church submits to Christ as wife submits to the husband. And, and husband loves the, or, and Jesus loves the church. And the husband loves the wife like Jesus loves the church. And we get that. We get that picture. And what's amazing about that picture is, is that the intimacy behind marriage the desiring for one another, the joy that you have, the burdens that you lift from one another. It's an earthly picture. It is the best picture we have for the gospel in the whole world. We, can look, we should be able to look at the marriage and say, man, that love that he has for her and, and the sacrifice he would have for her and that he would lay down his life for her even though she acts crazy sometimes, you know, or whatever. You just think about all these different things. It's like, man, that love is like, that's like no other. Like, where do you get that from? It's supposed to be a picture. And then, and then the wife, you know, just has that picture of uh, submission in, in a good way, not like the, the husband is like warding over it or controlling or, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, man, Man, they just, they, they go together so well, and, and it's just all kinds of stuff that goes on in marriage. It's like, man, that is an amazing picture of the gospel. If you read the Song of Solomon, you can look way deeper into that. If you didn't know this, there's sex in the Bible, and it goes into really deep 
detail. So all you kids, y'all can look at what it's supposed to be done and, uh, you know, all that kind of good stuff. It's really, really stinking cool. So but it gives a picture of marriage. A lot of you parents are like sweating bullets right now. Please don't read Song of Solomon. Please don't read Song of Solomon. This is fine. It's, it's the biblical way, okay? They need to know what it's like. And, you know, they need to know what they, they have to look forward to. And so, uh, but anyways, it gives a picture of marriage. And, and why would the bride fast while the groom is still there? You see, it's like a picture of a bride being at home, and then the husband is like on deployment, right? So like we have, we have this picture of the husband is like somewhere like in Russia, like the furthest point, like the coldest place on earth, and he's freezing his buns off. And his wife is back in Alabama, and she's like, man, this is perfect weather in here in this pollen-infested place. And, and he, she's like, man, I really miss my husband. I really miss my husband. And you think about the, the day of the wedding, and how she was not missing her husband, she was loving her husband at that moment. And she was not thinking about, I need to miss my husband, I need to, you know, think about when he's away. No, it's, he's right there, he's in the presence of her, and they are together. But when the groom leaves, what happens? That desire for him builds, because you miss his presence. But he is gone temporarily. So what do we see from this? Because Jesus was with his bride, the church, there was no need for them to mourn. There was no need for them to fast. There was no need for them to miss him because he was there. But soon, he's going to go away. He's going to die. And he's going to rise again, but then he's going to go to heaven. Right? And so then, Jesus said, then they will fast. So what does that show you? What, what does fasting mean? Right? At the very root of fasting, what does that actually mean? It's your desire for him. It's your desire for him. See, he's only gone temporarily. But at the very root of fasting, it's you wanting to be with him. You wanting to be intimate with him in his presence. Like, God, I want you to come back. See, he's only gone temporarily. He's coming back. But that fasting is just an outward expression of that. And so we get it all mixed up. Like, fasting, like, I would just tell you all kinds of cool things about fasting, but here's the thing. You have to want to do that. I know there's things like you do it like, okay, maybe I challenge you and say, hey, you should fast. And then you go home and you think, how, how can I fast? Like, I, I want that challenge and I, I want to do that. But at the very bottom of it, you have to want it. Do I think that you're going to go to hell if you never fast? No, I, I don't know how serious it is. But here's what I do know is that when you fast, your dependency on him and your intimacy with him grows because that's the picture we get in scripture of what that means. And I look back at my, my walk with Christ and I think about the times where I was like, God, I just miss you. Like, I, I know you're here with me, but I need to feel you more. Like, it's like I don't have enough of you. And I wish in those times I would have thought about maybe I should let go of everything else in my life and just focus on him because I want him that bad. And maybe he would reveal himself in that way because I'm showing him, God, I want you. Fasting. That's what that would mean. It should just let go of everything. You know what that shows me? 
this passage shows that it's about intimacy. It's about being with him in his presence, desiring him, having an appetite for him. And it also shows me this, that he provides all that we need. He provides all that we need. Now, that I was very careful about the way I said this because sometimes we will say God is all we need, and that is true. But we're not saying that we don't need food by saying God is all that we need. We're not saying that we don't need water by saying God is all that we need. We're not saying that we don't need clothes by saying God is all we need. We're saying that God is all we need because he provides everything we need. Because he is the ultimate source of everything we need. He knows what we need. Matthew chapter 6, he knows that we need food. He knows that we need water. He knows that we need clothes. Those are our three basic needs. He knows we need those things. And if we seek him first, he provides all of it. And in fact, he provides all of it to most people that we know because of his grace. But here's the thing. He provides all that we need. So when we give up everything, we're showing him. We are showing him with an earthly picture, God, I need you. And I know that you are the source of my greatest nutrition, my greatest needs. You are the source of those things. You are the source of my food. You are the source of my water. You're the source of everything I need, God. I need you, and I know that you provide. That is what fasting is all about. So we're going to go on into the, into the past, and we're going to talk about some more things. It says this. It kind of takes a weird turn, but it says, Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and running, ruining the skins. A new wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. So um, I just recently got some new shirts, and, and uh, I don't know if you know this about 100% cotton shirts. Like if you wash them and dry them, they are not the same size than when you put them in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm kind of tall, but I'm skinny too. So, like, I need a small slash big shirt. And then it's like, is, fit, some shirts fit really weird, you know, so you need them kind of long, you know, even though my legs are like four foot long and my other, my other part of my body is like two. But, like, there is this, like, weird thing that happens when you put them in the washer, they shrink up. Washer and dry, they shrink up. So it's like, okay, now that's old cloth. Well, you couldn't have a tear in that shirt, and then cut something out of a new shirt, and then patch that shirt up, and then wash and dry it again. Because you know why? Because whatever hole you just cut out of that new shirt, and you put it on that patch of the old shirt, it's going to shrink to even smaller, and it's going to ruin your shirt. Because that patch is going to shrink, although your old shirt has already shrunk. Your old shirt has already shrunk enough, and it's going to shrink. It's going to basically shrunk as much as it's going to shrink. And then you put this new cloth on this old cloth, and it's going to shrink too small and rip away where you sewed it from. Either that or just make it look weird, and it's just not, it's not going to fit. It's not going to fit right. New and old, just, they, don't, they don't fit right. They don't go together good. So you need to patch it with older cloth. You need to patch a new shirt with newer cloth because they go together. 
And then it talks about wine skin. This is an even weirder example because we don't really ferment wine in animal skins. You know, that's just not what we do. But, you know, they ferment wine in different things now. So, but what they used to do, they used to use animal skins to ferment wine to get it, make it alcoholic. You know, it just make it, that's kind of what they drunk back in the day because like, you know, they didn't have never thirst and like water filters like we do when we go hiking. They had uh, animal skins and they just put a bunch of grape juice in there and learned to turn alcoholic. Now they didn't have any bacteria in there. You know, it's got good bacteria, not bad. So you can drink it and be fine. And so that's kind of what they did. So they'd take these old wine skins or they, these animal skins and they'd put grape juice in it and they'd sew it up and then hang it and let it ferment. Let it sit there, let the bacteria grow in there. And it just, it creates this, this stretching of the skin, of the animal skin. You see, animal skins have this elasticity to it. And then so when, you, when it has that, that pressure builds up in there, because when bacteria, they begin to grow, they let off, you know, these gases, kind of like we do when we eat, we let off some gases. And, you know, that's what they're doing, basically. And it's stretching these skins, and now these skins are stretched. So... You have these, this wine and this wine skin. Well, if you pour that wine out and then you put some more wine in those wine skins, what's going to happen? It's going to burst because you've already stretched it to its capacity before when you put the grape juice in it before to ferment, to make wine. So you can't put new wine in old wine skins because it's going to burst. It's going to stretch too much because it's already been stretched to its capacity. So you put new wine in new wineskins, and you put old wine in old wineskins. Does that make sense? So why does Jesus say this? Because there's an Old Testament, and there's a New Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, it was a shadow of the reality that was yet to come. Colossians chapter 2, where we just talked about, it's not about following rules anymore. Okay, so there's a new way. There's a new covenant. So in the Old Testament, it was about the shadow of the reality to come. Where it doesn't matter what you see in the Old Testament, whether it's Moses or David and Goliath or, or David in the Psalms or Solomon. It doesn't matter what you read in Exodus where, where uh, Moses and Aaron, they went on this, this, this long journey. Everything points to Jesus somehow, the coming, all the prophets. It was talking about Jesus somehow, somehow some way. And you can see it all throughout the Old Testament. And it was pointing to Jesus. But see, now that he's here, he's telling them this fasting is not a ritual. The reason why we don't do it is because we don't do it every week. It's not just something that we do. It's something that we do that has a purpose. See, this fasting has a purpose. This fasting, and he's trying to tell them that, it's the desire for me. See, I'm going, but when I'm gone, that's when you fast because of your desire for me to come back and be with you, my presence with you, your salvation. And that's what he was telling them. You don't put the old stuff, the old way with the new way because it just don't fit. He was trying to tell them, you can't have the old way and the new way. You can't have your old life and your new life and put them together. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And you can try it all you want. It's just not going to work. You're going to burst. There's a lot of pressure built up in your life, and your wineskins are going to burst because you're carrying too much weight. You're carrying too much weight when you do that, when you're trying to mix your self-righteous, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to follow this rule with Jesus came and paid the price for everything. Those two things, those, even just saying it doesn't mix, so you can't actually practice that and it make it look right. 
It just doesn't look right. It, it doesn't work. So that's what he was telling them. And so fasting, what do we do about that? What do we do about that? You see, here's the thing. You probably should start off small. I don't, I don't know how fasting works other than there is a purpose. This is what you have to remember, that there is a purpose behind fasting. What is that? To get intimate with Christ. To be intimate with Christ and to know that he provides everything. And so you as an individual, we don't all need to just, if that's our first time fasting, just say, hey, you know what? Jesus fasted for 40 days. Let's go. Let's get up on this fast right now because I'm getting real intimate in these 40 days. Like, no, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you could do that. I mean, I'm not telling you you can't. I'm just saying maybe start off small. Maybe start off small. And, and, and my thing is maybe I started off too big. Maybe, I, I mean, I, I don't know. You probably can't tell me, but I'm an eater. Like, I eat a lot. Like it, I know it doesn't look like it, but I, mean, I eat a lot. I just snack all the time. Like, that's what I do. You know, that's how I roll. So, that, and I don't, I probably shouldn't have started off with a solid 24 hours because it just discouraged me for the rest of the time. Like, no, I'm never doing that again. That was awful. Like, I needed dinner that night, and I did not have it, and it was crazy awful, and I have basketball practice, and I am drained, you know what I'm saying? Like, I need some protein up in this body, and it was like, I'm already skinny enough. Like, I don't have enough muscle. Like, I already get picked on enough, and now I look like a starving, like, child, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I look like, even though I looked like that before. Like, now you can see my rib cage, though, even more than you did before. So, like, it was just, like, I didn't, I just did not start off good. I probably should have started off with, you know what? I don't eat breakfast except for, you know, like a little bit. I snacked throughout the morning. So maybe I should just skip lunch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I probably should have just said, lunch, I love lunch. I love it. And so maybe I just said, hey, today I, I just want to just not eat lunch. I'm going to pray. Today I, I'm just going to skip this meal, and I'm going to pray, and, and I'm just going to be satisfied with God instead of satisfied with food. This is not a burdensome thing. Fasting is not a burdensome thing. It is you being satisfied with Christ. This is your Savior we're talking about. This is the one who loves you or loves you, like we talk about on Sundays. This is the one who loved you so much that he died for you, that he wants to be with you so much and, and, and listen to you so much that he died and rose again so that he would hear our prayers throughout our whole life. And then not only that is he gave us a way into life forever with him. That is who we're talking about. We're talking about this immense amount of love that cannot even be put on a chart. Like this is, this is, this is who we're talking about, our Savior. We're, this is not a rule or a ritual, a ritual that we follow every week and we say, you know, what, I'm going to fast. And, and we probably shouldn't even try to beat our own record, right? Like, so it's not like, you know, it's like, well, last time I fasted for 40 days, so ne- next time I'm going to fast for 41, see if I can beat my record. Like, no, that, that, that creates a weight behind you and it puts a weight on your shoulders. You're trying to put the old wine in the new wine skin. I mean, yeah, in the new, you know what I'm saying? New wine and old wine skin. Wow. So it's going to burst. That's too much pressure on you to try to be satisfied with Christ. And he's just saying, look, being satisfied with me has nothing to do with how, how strong you are. 
See, your faith is, is quantified. It's a number to your faith. Like, there's a, there's a, like, you have little faith and you have much faith. But, like, that is you just saying, God, all I need is you. That's not you saying, God, I have fasted. I have shared the gospel three times today, and I prayed, and I did. That's not how strong your faith is. I mean, those things are a reflection, maybe, of your faith. But we tend to have these competitions in our mind, like I want to fast more, or maybe if I don't fast as long as I did last time, maybe my, my faith is kind of weakened a little bit. And I know a lot, not all of y'all struggle like that. I understand. Like, not everybody struggles like, like uh, this time I'm just going to do bre- breakfast, you know, whatever. So on to the next thing. I know y'all are asking, so do we have to fast from food, or can we fast from, okay, so we have to go back to the point. What's the point? It's to be intimate with Christ, Right? It's to desire Him. It's to be satisfied with Him, to know that He provides all of our needs. So I guess like we don't need to limit it to everything but food. Like if Sometimes we could use it as a cop-out, right? We can just be like, you know what? I don't really want to fast from food, so you know, I'm going to fast from sodas. Like I, I drink sodas way too much, bro. So like, I'm just going to stick with water today, and you know, I'm just going to call it a day. But like, we all drink water, right? I mean, like, well, some of y'all don't. My wife didn't drink water for like five years, and that, like, but then when she got pregnant, she drank water all the time. But we, we, we don't want to limit it to just, hey, I'm going to fast from wearing hats or, you know, like I'm going to fast from like, you know what I'm saying? Like we just named some stupid stuff and like some of it just like, some of us need to fast from social media, right? Some of us need to give up social media for a day two days, maybe a week, or some of us need to just fast from secular music or, you know, just listening to the radio. Maybe we should just listen to just Christian music for a week or whatever, you know, like some of us need to do that and fast with those kind of things. And, it, it, and but we don't need to, to take away the food, like, because the food is what, that is our biggest need. Really, if we think about it, that is our biggest need, food and water, that's our biggest need. And we look at that, that's almost like an idol, like, and I started thinking about my, that in my life. Like, I don't want to do it because I don't want to give up food. Like, I don't want to, like, be hungry. You know, like, I don't like hunger pains, especially when I'm working. I'm just like, it's hot in here. And, like, I, it's just like, you know, it's just, I just like to eat. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I limit it, and I don't need to do that. Because now, all of a sudden, I'm back where Adam and Eve. Like, I, I'm back where we started because I put that food above God. At that moment, when I decide, hey, I don't want to do that because I don't want to give up food because... I, I like food too much, and God is my number one still, but, you know, you see what I'm saying? So, think about it. What, just think about something. What in your life is hindering you from having the most intimate relationship with God? What in your life is hindering you? Is it food? Like, for me, I, bet, I guess I have to be honest, that might be my biggest hindrance from becoming even more intimate with Christ and just saying, God, you're all I need. And so for some of us, it may be not looking on Instagram. I know that's hard. I know it is. Like no Snapchatting or no texting. Those are the kind of things like, or maybe you should, you know, fast from homework. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> y'all, y'all got excited. I know y'all did. I, I thought about fasting from homework when I was in high school too. It was like, I was about to be real spiritual. But like, you can fast like from something that's just hindering you from becoming in, more intimate with Christ. Something that's taking up your time. Something that takes up your thoughts and, and stuff like that that is more than it should be. And you have to be honest with yourself. And that could be something you fast from, but don't, don't just completely 
takeout food because that's a, that's a danger because we don't want to just limit it to very small things, but it has to complete the goal. And the goal is not just, hey, I'm going to fast for 24 hours. I have to meet 24 hours or, or else. Like, this is like, this is it. Notice when you're in that time, think about Jesus. That's the point. It's just think about how much you need him. Think about how much he loves you. That's the point. You know, it, he, he's not really impressed by 24 hours. It's just it's like, man, Keith, I love you. Thank you for, I, I just love you, and I'm so thankful that you're in my presence. I'm so thankful that you want me, and I love you. That's why I died for you. Like, I love you, I love you, I love you. Like, you're my child, you're my son. I'm so proud of you, and I just, I love you so much, and I just want to show you so much grace, and, and I, I just want to show you everything that's going on in your life and all the suffering that you're going through. I want to show you why, and I just, I'm so glad that you cleared your mind so I can just tell you all these things. Here's what I want to do. I just want to hug you. I want to love you. That's what's going on. And that, that is what's going on when we give up something like that. It's like, man, God really does love me. And this food doesn't love me that much. Okay, yeah, it's a need, but the food itself does not love me. The water does not love me. But what is it? What is it? This is, this is the amazing part. This is, this is where we get down deep into the nitty-gritty. What is food? It's the reality of Christ. We just took the Lord's Supper on Sunday. It's the food. That's his body, right? He is the bread of life. And when we drink water, what, what is water? He is the living water. Everything that we can think of, is, it, it points back to him. All of our greatest needs point back to him. Food, water, and clothing. He covers us in his blood. He covered us. Our sins were covered. And we saw that even in Adam and Eve too. The first thing that they did when, when God walked into the garden and said, hey, where are you guys at? It was like invitation to, to them to come to him. And he had grace on them even at that moment when he looked at everything that was to come because of the consequence of that sin. And what did he do? He wanted to clothe them because they were ashamed. They didn't want to be naked, but they don't know how to make clothes. They're just there. They didn't, they, they didn't even know they were naked before. So what did he do? He killed an animal. He killed an animal and, and, and put fig leaves on them, and, and now they're, they're, they no longer had shame. And what does Christ do for us? He covered our sin so that we no longer have shame. And he fills us with his body. It was the bread of life. And we're no longer thirsty for the things of this life because he is the, the living water that will never be thirsty again because he satisfies us. It's just a reminder, guys. That's all a fast is. It's just a reminder of how good God is. It's not a burden. It's not a burden, I promise. And, you know, maybe you do it by yourself. Maybe you ask your friend, like, hey, what do you, what do you think? Maybe, maybe we can do this together. Maybe we can pray and fast together. That's, that's biblical. That's biblical. It's not, it's, that's not, you know, contradicting, not letting your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That's, that's biblical. They did that in the Bible. So I don't really know everything about fasting, but I do know the very basic points of it. And that's just, we love God and we want more of Him. What is your appetite telling you? Are you more hungry for the things of this world right now? 
or are you more hungry for God? And if you're more hungry for the things of this world, just be honest with yourself and say, is that really filling my hunger? Is that really doing what it says it's going to do? Just like when I ate McDonald's, it didn't do it. Like, it, it did two Big Macs, like I was hungry in another hour. Had no idea how it happened, probably because I ate plastic. But it was, I was just hungry again. It just wasn't doing it. And so, like, you just have to think about it in those kind of terms, and you have to be honest with yourself and listen to me. Listen to me. Some of us don't understand that we are starving ourselves. Some of us don't even know that we're starving ourselves. I had no idea until I saw the effects of it. And see, sin is fun for a season. You've heard that. We have sometimes we just don't have any clue that we're starving ourselves. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. That, that's what tonight is all about. Being honest with yourself, knowing what you hunger for, knowing what you need to give up, and knowing what you need to take in. The world is what you need to give up, and you need to take in Christ and let him show you how much he loves you. That's what tonight is all about. So um, let me pray, and you can come down here and pray about what you're hungry for. You can come down here and let God reveal some things to you. And I'm going to challenge you this. You need to come down here and pray. You need to sit down in your seat. This needs to be a time of reflection, and we all need to do it. Like, can we all do that, please? Can we all just do it as a collective group? And I I want everybody to just maybe sit in your chair. Like, I want you to do either or, okay? I want you to do either or. Either sit in your chair and just pray, or you can come down here and you can pray, or you can pray with a friend or whatever, but I think we need to do either or tonight. And uh, let me pray, and we can get to do that. Father, I just want to thank you for being all that we need. Father, I pray that right now that you would just show us that we only need you, and Lord, I pray that you would show us the places that we are starving in our lives, whether it's rest in you, God, whether it's peace or comfort or, God, that we're just not seeing fruit and we just, God, we just need encouragement or, God, we're starving for correction. We're starving for your discipline because we know that you discipline those who you love. We're just starving for your love. God, I just pray that you would show us some of the things that we're eating that are not healthy for us, God, some of the things in this world that we don't realize that are bad for us or that we know are bad for us, we shouldn't be eating them and we just don't have the strength to give them up. Lord, I just pray that you would reveal that and give us strength to give up those things that we know we don't need. And Lord, I just pray that you would satisfy the hungry. Satisfy those who are hungry in this room tonight. God, satisfy them with your with your bread, the bread of life. Satisfy them with the living water so that they will never thirst again. God, for the believer who is just struggling, they feel like they're in a dry desert land. Lord, I just pray that you would be their fountain, their fountain of everlasting water, everlasting living water. I pray that you would just shower them right now, God, just like a a rain in the desert doesn't happen very well. God, we just need a rain. We just need a good, solid rain. Lord, I just pray for those in here who don't believe and they were revealed tonight that they, that they don't believe and that they fill their hunger with the things of this world instead of filling their hunger with you. And God, they were revealed tonight that God, they don't really truly believe. I pray that God, they would, that you would just reveal to them, hey, I can fill you. It can happen tonight or if you just 
Like if you just keep asking me questions, you keep hungering after me, I will satisfy you. I will satisfy you. You just keep asking questions. You keep seeking after me and you keep realizing, you just keep seeing that this world is not enough for you and I will satisfy you. I just pray for all of every person in this room, God, that we would all come together and just hunger after you. I pray that we would hunger after you and that you would fill our needs, God. You would fill everything that we are. And God, for those of us who don't fast or who do fast or who have never fasted before, I pray that that would become a discipline in our lives that we would see not as a burden, but as a time to, to be with you and a time to be intimate with you and to just be me and you and nothing with the world, no distractions, God, just me and you and I love you. And just to shower your love over me, God, I love that thought. I love the fact that you make that available to us. And I pray, God, we would just work that into our lives so we can be more intimate with you. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.